This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome back. Ferns Hot Stone, Mark 610 Sports Radio. Josh Vernier, 610's Royals Insider. We do this each and every Thursday from 6 until 7. Well, each and every Thursday. We're doing it tonight. We'll do it next Thursday, and then the baseball season starts, and there's even more to talk about. I I, I did put together the top five storylines from spring training, and and maybe we'll get to those uh, before we hand things off to Jay Binkley. Um, But... As we discussed with Dayton Moore, the biggest story this week was, of course, the number two overall pick from the 2019 Major League Baseball draft, Bobby Witt Jr., who was uh, back in the lineup, atop the lineup today, facing former Cy Young Award winner, uh, left-hander Dallas Keuchel. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. getting the start at second base, went one for five, uh, did score a run, and played some uh, solid second base uh, thus far in spring. He's got an OPS of 851, but, you know, does something seemingly each and every game. Uh, open your eyes, whether it's base running, uh, defense, glove, and arm, hit for power, uh, hit for average. What I'm basically doing is describing the five tools and letting you know that the 20-year-old possesses all five of those tools. For those of you, and I I see you right now coming in on Twitter and on the text line. You can always follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Josh Vernier 610. Um, Those of you that are opposed to Bobby Witt Jr. being on the opening day roster, first and foremost, like Dayton Moore said, we still have two weeks. Still have two weeks to go. And if you've been around baseball for a while, uh, you understand that you don't get too far ahead of yourself because especially as we hope it's the tail end of a pandemic, but especially within a pandemic, uh, you can't look too far down the line because you don't know what the future holds. All you can do is judge off of today. Um, But for those of you that are uh, perplexed as to why the Royals would possibly trade 162 games of 27-year-old Bobby Witt Jr. for three weeks of 20-year-old Bobby Witt Jr. I think it's five-fold. I think there are five boxes that must be checked in order for someone like Dayton Moore to say, yes, we'll do it. Yes, we'll be open to the idea of putting him on the opening day roster. Now, of course, like Dayton said, uh, you know, they have a certain culture with the Royals. Uh, and, and like I told him, it's crazy that it is a culture treating people the right way. But listen, here are five things. Because I was asked on Twitter, why would they do this, Fern? Why would they waive 
a, a, an extra year of arbitration to bring this kid up day one. I think there are five reasons why you do it. Reason number one, why you would be open to the idea of Bobby Witt Jr. on the opening day roster. I'm not saying you have to agree with all five of these. I'm telling you, these five things must be true if you as an organization are going to put Witt Jr. on the opening day roster. Reason number one, he's the best player at the position. And I would agree that of the candidates to play second base, he is the best. He's got the most power. He has the strongest arm. He's the best defender, probably the best base runner. Well, definitely the best base runner. Uh, you know, I, Nicky Lopez had a nice day at the plate yesterday. Uh, not the best day in, in the field. So, you know, it's been a rough go early on for Nicky Lopez. Um, so, uh, box number one that must be checked. He is the best player. Okay, we checked that box. Box number two, he makes the team better. Now, that might sound obvious. Well, if he's the best player, of course he makes the team better. That's not always the case. And this is what Dayton Moore was alluding to. You need the clubhouse, to a certain extent, to sign off on the guy. Keep in mind, Bobby Witt Jr., second overall pick, comes from a baseball family, signs a $7 million contract before he's even played a single game of professional baseball. And you got guys in that clubhouse like Whit Merrifield who grinded through the minor leagues, uh, grinded to get his opportunity at the big league. Same with the Hunter Dozier and countless others inside that clubhouse. Well, those guys have signed off, as, as Dayton alluded to, those guys have signed off on Bobby Witt Jr. Taken to social media, showcasing their own um, perspective, self-awareness and humility uh, in throwing those bouquets the way of Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, furthermore, Dayton Moore letting it be known that he is open to the idea of Bobby Witt Jr., a guy that the clubhouse has signed off, uh, signed off on. Uh, his willingness to do that is also a smoke signal to that clubhouse that I hear you. I'm not above you. I digest your words and I will take them into consideration when we're making our decisions on a 26-man roster. So box number one, he makes the most sense because he's the best player and he makes the team better. Both of those two boxes have been checked. He's the best option at second base and he makes the team better because the clubhouse acknowledges that he makes the team better, that he makes the clubhouse better, that he makes winning easier. Box number three, he can handle a big league season. Now, that's one that I personally uh, can't check myself. But when I talk with Mike Matheny, when I hear from Dayton Moore, when I uh, watch his at-bats, when I see his effortlessness defensively, his instincts on the base paths, you know, I have a certain belief that he can handle the ups and downs of a Major League Baseball season. Uh, but I'm not going to pretend like I know as much as uh, Mike Matheny, this coaching staff, or the front office. Because let's be honest, when was the last time Bobby Witt Jr. struggled, went through a slump with everyone's eyes on him? 
I'm sure it happened at some point. It's baseball. I'm sure it happened possibly at some point in high school. I know he didn't rake in, in the Arizona League. But it's been, and look, there may have been tough stretches for him last year at the alternate site. But it's different when there's fans in the stands, when I can go online and, and, and see your statistics day in and day out, diving into the box score. Because that slump is coming. I don't care how great he is. There will be a moment if he plays at the big league level, wherever he plays this season, there will be a moment where the numbers don't line up with the talent. Can he handle that grind, that mental grind first and foremost, and then, of course, the physical grind that is 162? I tend to have more faith he can handle the physical grind because he's 20 years old, out there playing a game. Go out there and have fun. But the mental grind, that's the question. So when I hear Dayton Moore say, yes, I'm open to the idea of him being on the opening day roster, that tells me that Dayton Moore's checked that box. In fact, when he says he's open to Bobby Witt Jr. being on the opening day roster, that tells me that all five of these boxes have been checked. That yes, they believe he's the best player at the position. That yes, they believe he makes the team better. That yes, they believe he can handle a big league season. And we all know that they believe in number four, that the best thing to do is to put the best players on the field. I know that sounds wacky. Of course, the best thing to do is to put the best players on the field, right? Uh, professional sports, the ultimate meritocracy, right? Well, as you get older, you start to realize that it's not always a meritocracy. There is a business side of this thing. There is what I alluded to earlier, arbitration, six years of control. If you bring him up on day one, uh, 2021 is going to count as the first of those six seasons where if you wait just a few weeks, it will not count. You could have him for another six seasons following this year. But we all know that Dayton Moore checks that box, that the best thing to do is to put the best players on the field. You know, I mentioned earlier that the organization has to know whether or not he makes the team better, if he is a quality clubhouse presence. Dayton said it moments ago when he joined us. That clubhouse should already know where this organization stands about putting the best players on the field. We did it last year with Brady Singer. We've done it in the past with Eric Hosmer, and we'll do it again if the play from Bobby Witt Jr. warrants it. And then that leads us to the fifth and final box that needs to be checked if you're going to do something as unprecedented as having Bobby Witt Jr. on the opening day roster. You've already checked that he's the best player. You've already checked that he makes the team better. You've already said that he can handle a big league season and that the best thing to do is to put the best players on the field. That leaves just one thing. And that one thing is that you believe this team has a chance to make the playoffs. Because if you don't, if you are not convicted that this team, convicted in your belief that this team has a chance to make the playoffs, you don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this because of the business side and everything that we alluded to. And you don't do this because 
and we can get by with Nicky Lopez and Hanser Alberto at second base. Nicky Lopez is still a gold glove caliber defender at second base. And the baseball that I've grown to love, what's most important is defense up the middle. Defense at catcher, short, second, and in center field. And Nicky Lopez has a tremendous glove. And he's likely going to hit eighth in this lineup. The eight hitter is not going to be the reason why this team falls short of the postseason. This team, as I told Fesco in the morning earlier this week, this organization in 2021 will rise and fall with Brad Keller, with Brady Singer and Mike Miner. The ups and downs will be because of Adalberto Mondesi and Whit Merrifield, Salvador Perez, Hunter Dozier, and the rest. Not because of your eight hitter. Those aren't the guys that are dictating wins and losses. They, they can certainly play a role in them, but if your eight hitter is the linchpin of your team, well, then you don't have a very good team, to be quite honest. And if Nicky Lopez is in there on opening day, I think the Royals can still have a very good team. That top seven of the lineup, that rotation, that bullpen, that defense is going to be average to above average. But if you believe that this group of ballplayers have the opportunity to make it to October, you can't give a game away. You can't say, well, you know, let's give Nicky Lopez and Hanser Alberto a chance. Let's give them a longer leash and see what Bobby does in the minor leagues. And if he beats the door down, okay, we'll give him the opportunity. You can't afford to give any game away if you think your team truly has a chance at the postseason. And you don't believe your team has a chance in the postseason if you don't believe in the pitching, which is you know, not one of these five boxes, but that's also quite the statement. Because my biggest concern this season has always been the rotation. Do you... Look, Brad Keller is a horse, no question. Uh, Mike Miner's a guy that you feel comfortable saying we need 180 innings out of you. Danny Duffy can show flashes. Brady Singer, we all know his upside. But how many of them, if any of them, do you know what you're going to get on a nightly basis? Or do you know what you're going to get four out of every five starts? You feel comfortable saying that about Keller? Keller's probably the closest one to it, right? To me, there is not a bigger thumbs up from the front office, a, a larger stamp of approval from the front office of the Royals, more so than being open to the idea of putting Bobby Witt Jr. on the opening day lineup. That, to me, should get Royals fans as excited as they've been since opening day 2016. The fact that Dayton Moore is open to this idea tells you that he believes in this pitching staff, which means he believes in this team having a chance to make it to the postseason. Because if you don't put Bobby Witt Jr. on the opening day roster and you miss the postseason by two or three games, it's so very easy to point back to April and second guess. Was that leash for Hanser Alberto and Nicky Lopez really necessary? Did you cost yourself a chance at October glory because you wanted to Give the vets a chance and make the kid earn it, even though the kid has possibly already earned it in spring training. So for those of you that are asking why, 
Why would you do it? The Royals would do it because they believe he's the best player for the position. They believe he makes the team better. They believe he can handle the grind of a big league baseball season. They believe the best thing to do is to put the best players on the field, and they believe this team has a chance at the postseason. More of Vern's Hot Stove after this. Burns Hot Stove on 610 Sports Radio. Brought to you by Google Fiber. Internet from an internet company. Check out google.com slash fiber. Back with you, Josh Bernier, 610 Sports. Uh, I'm not their sports insider. I'm their Royals insider. And this is Vern's Hot Stove. Each and every Thursday night from 6 until 7 o'clock right here on your home for Royals baseball for more than a dozen years now. 610 Sports Radio. Uh, man, if you missed our conversation with, uh, or my conversation hour, uh, if you missed my conversation with Dayton Moore, check it out at the radio.com app. Julio Sanchez working his tail off back there. Got that bad boy up quick. Uh, you can also find it at 610sports.com. Uh, but, you know, I, I asked Dayton about the pitching staff and his comfort with it and his expectation for it. You can hear, again, his answer at the Radio.com app. But also, um, you know, he, he took that question and you know, said he's got faith in the rotation, really likes the bullpen, and then talked about his lineup and whatnot. Uh, my, not question for Dayton, because my question for the baseball gods, because no one knows the answer right now, if this team is indeed playoff caliber, and they would have to be if they're honestly considering putting Bobby Witt Jr. on the opening day roster, if this team is playoff caliber, my question to the baseball gods is this, how do they bully the opposition? For Royals fans that remember the World Series runs, you remember what it's like to bully the opposition. I think most great teams can bully the opposition. Most championship teams have a way to, to bully the opposition. You know, last year's Dodgers team, that lineup, I mean, that team just straight up bullies you when you can go, uh, you know, Kershaw to Walker Bueller, Urias, uh, David Price, and now they add uh, a Trevor Bauer. That rotation can bully you because you know you're not going to get much off of them, and it makes you press. Uh, but with the Dodgers, Dodgers, it's so crazy. I mean, the bets into Bellinger and Turner and that whole lineup. Okay, so they're they're a different bird, right? But you remember what it was like in 2014 and 15. You, as a Royals fan, you could stick your chest out. You could be the bully on the block because of that bullpen. And the other team knew it. Just like... For those of us that got bullied growing up, there were certain times, uh, whether it's on the bus or at school, you saw whoever that kid was and you went, oh, great, here we go. All right, here we go. He's going to do this. Thing. That's what the Royals and most championship teams can do. You can impose your will on the opposition. Chiefs fans, you know all about that with Patrick Mahomes. Royals fans, you remember that with the bullpen. And you remember going to games at Kauffman, the Royals scratch across uh, two runs in the fourth inning, and you're thinking, all right, all we need to do is 
procure another six outs and the game is over. We got a 2 nothing lead in the fourth. Let's just get this lead through six innings and it's over. Not only did you as a fan know that, but the opponents knew that. And you could see it. You could see it at the plate when they were up there in the sixth inning facing Edinson Volquez. They knew if we don't score off of Volquez now, we're not going to get another opportunity to score because Herrera, then Davis, then Holland, or whatever order you want to line it up in, those guys were going to come in and slam the door. So they begin to tighten up. They begin to press. You know what pressing looks like. You've seen how late in the game, guys expand the strike zone in the ninth inning because they're trying to make something happen. And that was happening in the sixth inning because they knew the game was over. So my question would be is, how does this team bully the opposition? There's no way of knowing, just like there was no way of knowing that the bullpen was going to be that stout in 2014. Maybe the bullpen is the bully again in 2021. I heard Rex Hudler joking on the broadcast earlier this week, they can deploy a new HDH. Jesse Hahn into Wade Davis into Greg Holland. Now that would be very uh, that would be a very that would be very on the nose if it ultimately happened, and I wouldn't be too shocked. Wade Davis looked filthy uh, last time I saw him. Uh, Jesse Hahn has been strong throughout camp, as has Greg Holland, but. You know, Josh Stalmont, as he continues to get built back up after a positive COVID test, we all know what he's capable of. Scott Barlow has been arguably the best reliever for this organization over the past two years. Uh, Kyle Zimmer took some real strides a season ago. Uh, so, so right, and then Jacob Judas, we'll see what happens with him, if it's in the rotation or in the bullpen. Uh, but there are seven names right there. Maybe the bullpen can be the bully. Because I'll tell you this, some of you might be eager to point to the lineup because that lineup certainly does look stout, especially if you could throw Bobby Witt Jr. in the eight spot and trot out something akin to Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benatendi, Adalberto Mondesi into Carlos Santana, into Salvi, into Soler, into Dozier, into Bobby and then Michael A. Taylor in the ninth spot. Yeah, I could understand wanting to point to the lineup and say that's how we're going to bully the opposition. Look at those bats. Yeah, that's, that's tough to do because there's quite a few teams that can bully you with their bats. You look at that Yankees lineup. You take a peek maybe at the Blue Jays lineup. What the Angels got going on. The Astros are no slouches. We all understand what's going on on the south side of Chicago with the White Sox. The Twins have some real boppers in the middle of their lineup. So, look, trying to uh, be the bully on the block with your bats, that's always going to be difficult for a market like the Kansas City Royals. So that would be my question as we sit here two weeks away from opening day. I like all the aspects of this team. But I don't know what's their strength, how they're going to bully the opposition. Before we get out of here quickly, uh, in my opinion, the five biggest storylines this week, number five were the bench battles. 
watching Mickey Lopez and Hunter Alberto, and then the Ryan McBroom, Ryan O'Hearn battle, see how that plays out. Number four is Adalberto Mondesi. I, I do want to mention this. Maybe Bobby Witt Jr. and all the attention that he's garnering is the best thing for Adalberto Mondesi. Suddenly, he's not the guy that you're watching every movement of. That, that could be a low-key storyline heading into the season. Number three is the winning. I, I know they lost earlier today to the White Sox, but the Royals still, um, with two weeks to go, have a record of 12-6, and six, one of the best in the Cactus League. The roster questions are the second biggest storyline, and then you already know that Bobby Witt Jr. is the biggest storyline. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for us. I, I can't believe how quickly this hour goes each and every week. Um, I will have a chance to talk with you tomorrow. I'll be on with Cody and Gold and The Drive, so uh, you're about to get real sick of me. And then two weeks from today, it's opening day, and then, then you'll definitely be sick of me because I'll be on the air constantly. Thanks to Julio Sanchez for the help back at the studio again. Uh, Dayton Moore, check it out, the interview at the podcast page at 610sports.com or just utilize the handy-dandy radio.com app. Jay Binkley, Bink at Nights, coming up next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.